0: Welcome to MSP Voice, the weekly show for MSPs by MSPs. Brought to you by Cloudberry, the number 1 cross-platform cloud backup. Learn more at cloudberrylab.com. This is MSP Voice. Hello and welcome to MSP Voice. This is episode number 36. Today's interview today is with Reese Orman with Tech Vera. Um, really good interview, talks about going from break fix to MSP, so definitely stick around and check that out and uh, Here's some advice he has for those of you that might still be stuck in the break-fix mode. Um, before we get started with that, though, a couple of housekeeping, mspvoice.com, your source for all things MSP Voice. Um, also coming up this week is we have number four in our webinar series with Nerdio. So Joseph Landis um, is going to be joining me to discuss their cloud management platform for Azure. Uh, so you know, definitely check that out. There's registration links on mspvoice.com. Uh, And if not, we'll have the recording available for you to listen to later on as well. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into our best of Reddit. Now, this is something I probably should have covered last week, um, but I I didn't see it until um, after I got done with the episode. But um, this is a pretty big one, Um, and and you've probably already seen it or heard about it, but it's a a local MSP got hacked and all all clients crypto locked. Uh, So essentially what happened was the, the bad folks Found a way to hack their RMM, which then pushed out the crypto to all of their customers, um, to all the client PCs. Um, crypto locked them all. Um, really, really, really bad situation. Now, it's also a situation that we've been warned that we've been warned about. Um, I, I talked several episodes ago last year about a, a CISA bulletin. Um, it talks about watch out MSPs that you know they're 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 after you, <laughs> so um, it, it's something we all need to be aware of. Um, this appears to be a faulty connector between, um, I believe it was uh, Kaseya and uh, Connectwise, um, if I'm not mistaken. But um, so if you're using that to connect these, definitely check this post out. This is it looks like it's for on-prem solutions, um, so you know if you're using Caseya Connectwise on-prem, definitely check this out. Uh, you know, there, there, there are fixes for it, um, but you know, this is, this is a bad one. Um, and it just shows how we actually are vulnerable um, as, as MSPs to these types of attacks, and they're gonna continue to get smarter and find out these exploits. So definitely make sure you keep up to date with all your vendors in terms of patches and updates to make sure you're not open to an exploit such as this. So with that out of the way, uh, let's get to a HIPAA question. So for those of you familiar with HIPAA, Um, And it's funny, he actually misspelled it. He did H-I-P-E-A instead of H-I-P-A-A. He said, edit, he's gonna fix it, but then he did another edit, say I'm gonna, he was gonna spell it right, but I think it's better this way, so. (laughs) Um, But basically he's looking for good resources to start looking at if your client needs to become HIPAA compliant. Um, He's working with a small counseling group that uses Office 365 for email and file storage and needs to do so in a HIPAA compliant way. He says, I see lots of get your HIPAA certifications online for 45 bucks. Um, stuff, but where can you, um, where can me and my techs go to understand HIPAA laws and bring their office into compliance? So a standard HIPAA question. So you know, a lot of you, I know, deal with this on a day-to-day basis. Um, Of course, the the first couple of comments are kind of being a little smart, Alex, saying, you know, if they don't spell HIPAA, uh, if they spell it H-I-P-P-A, don't give them your money. Um, You know, (laughs) tell them to search for the right term. Uh, But all joking aside, um, you know, there are some great, there are some good suggestions here. Um, so you may want to look into um, Compliancy Group or HIPAA Secure Now. Um, there's also HIPAA for MSPs, um, which I did a, a webinar with a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, there's some, some definitely good things here. Um, someone else says start by reading the HIPAA security rule um, with the HHS.gov website, um, or you can go, you can download the PDF here. They, they include a link to that. Um, and... Um, and then the, this person says, dear God, do not worry about your client's HIPAA security until you fix your own. Um, your post tells us your IT security is shambles. Um, so that's a little harsh, but you know, if they are working with clients that need to be HIPAA compliant, as an MSP, you really should be HIPAA compliant yourself as well as soon as you have that first client. Um, so you know, I, I think it's, like I said, it's a little harsh the way that this person said it, um, but it definitely is true. So know your HIPAA, know what you're getting into, Um, If you, you know, just getting into it now, there are definitely some resources out there to check into, you know, check out some of the suggestions here, um, do some searching, and uh, hopefully as an MSP, you can become HIPAA compliant yourself and then help your future, your existing and future customers be HIPAA compliant as well. All right, so next up is we have another phishing um, technique. Uh, So, you know, this is kind of a, a security focus here, but... Uh, this one's interesting so it's a phishing technique using abusing google translate from masking the malicious site url uh, so there's a link to a blog post here from akamai um, that, that actually goes through the exploit and you know this, the author uh larry here talks about how he saw it on his phone it looked legit basically saying you know is one of those things from google saying hey a, a new windows Computer is logged into your account, you know, you, you know, verify to make sure it's true on his phone. He said it looks completely legit. But when you open it up in Gmail, you know, on the web browser, he, he saw that the, you know, The email address was from a hotmail and it had Facebook in it and all these other types of things. Um, but they actually do- dove down and, you know, when you, when you click on the, the button in the, in this Google looking email, um, it actually goes to a site, but it uses Google translate to, do that so it's a google it looks like a google site um and you know so it it makes it easier you know if you don't know what you're doing all of a sudden you get this email from google you click on it you go to a site that says google on it you don't realize it's google translate you enter in your credentials and guess what you've just given them your email and password Um, he goes on to say that if you do actually do that then you'll get an email about Facebook. Um, so they're they're very, you know, they, they don't want just your Google account, they also want your Facebook account. So they'll send you another link to go in and update your information or, or input your your Facebook username and password. So this one's kind of bad, but you know, again, it's just a way of hey, they're they're using Google Translate as a way to mask the fact that it's actually coming from a, a different website. So um, definitely an interesting attack vector. Um, something to keep up, keep a lookout for, and something to alert your users, your, users to as well. Um, next up, we have someone looking for some education. So he's looking to start an MSP and wants to know about some books. Uh, so he's like, I'd like to look for some guidance here. I'm a network engineer with very good experience. I have worked for myself several times and have made good money. I would like to start a small MSP on the East Coast that is specific to networking. Or managing networks for small to medium and large-sized businesses is there any good books out there to read to learn about uh, starting MSP or even MSP is a specific function of networking any guidance would be appreciated um, so some good suggestions in terms of you know there, there's a couple of different books that, that they recommend um, you know one it specifically talks about sales um, the little red book of sales um, this person says I don't actually like the guy but just but it's the sales mindset you need which then kind of goes on to another discussion, um, you know, because being an MSP and and running it by yourself, you do need to know about sales and and management and those types of things. Um, and you know, there's kind of a, a discussion that goes on about that, If you know, the technical stuff, that's great, but you're asking about how to run a business. Um, so you definitely do want to make sure that you understand the finer points of that. It's not just, Hey, I know how to, you know, program a Cisco router. Um, you also need to know how to invoice, you know, accounts receivable and, and all these other and, and sales and getting your first customers and marketing, there's a lot more to it. Um, so there's some other suggestions here, the, the e-myth we revisited, the trusted advisor, the pumpkin plan, um, things we've probably all seen or, or heard of um, as well. Um, but anyway, some, some, some really good suggestions here on books, um, MSP specific books. If you're looking for those types of things, click the link and check out some of these suggestions. And finally, um, this one's a little light on the uh, on content, but um, something I, I've been meaning to mention for a while um, is if you ever if you use Discord, um, you know if you're a gamer and you use Discord, um, did you know that there is an MSP Discord server? Um, it's called MSPs Are Us. Um, it's a it's a very active uh, Discord um, and. Part of why I like it is vendors are broken out as vendors. So we have a different color as a vendor. Um, We have a a little, um, our own section where we can talk. But anyone, when you comment, people, other people know that, hey, yes, I'm a vendor. Um, But you can also ask the vendors questions. So the vendors that are on there are are active. Um, So if you're not familiar with Discord or anything like that, you know, check it out, uh, discord.gg.com and then do a search for MSPRS. Um, you don't need an invite to join the server, um, but you do need to read the welcome page as soon as you get there um, and follow the directions. So th- this person is posting because he- he's like, do I need an invite? I joined there. Is there a message? I don't have permissions to send messages. Um, and so accidental MSP says, you know, welcome to the channel, read the rules. You'll see what you need to do. So go to the welcome page, uh, read the rules. Um, but again, it's, it's an active channel. Um, you know, lots of folks in there commenting and posting and they actually even have a Reddit feed where they take the MSP subreddit. Um, and there's, there's a whole feed in there of all the the posts from, from Reddit. So it's another, another way to read Reddit, so to speak. Okay. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump into the interview. Again, this is Reese Ormond with Techvera. Um, great interview today and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Hello and welcome. Today I am joined by Reese Ormond with Tech Vera, and I'm very happy to have Reese with me today. Reese, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do over there? All right, thank you, Doug. So I'm the CEO
1: of Tech Vera. We're an MSP based in Denton, Texas. It's in the North Texas area. I've got 11 team members, and we manage about 65 clients right now, uh, about 1,300 endpoints, and um, yeah, we're we're a uh, kind of all in kind of turnkey engagement. We have one level of offering that we provide for our
0: clients. Okay, great, so um, what made you kind of decide to get into the IT services business to, to begin with? I think you started what, 2001?
1: Yeah, actually, so my father started uh, the prior company, which was a break fix uh, computer repair shop. It was Geek okay. on Wheels and uh, <laughs> primarily focused, right, on, on uh, home user support. And so mm-hmm. I got involved in the kind of technical uh, aspect of the business. Um, when I was 15, 16 years old, working okay. on you know, end-user issues and hardware and, and network stuff. Um, and actually went through and ended up starting a little branch when I was in college, went to UT in Austin. And so okay. uh, started doing some work down there. And then from there, I just kind of uh, snowballed into doing work for small businesses. And then uh, came back here, acquired the business in 2008. And um, over the next few years, started pushing more and more towards uh, commercial support, and finally, in about 2014, 2013, I knew that we were, we were behind the times and in getting into a uh, recurring model and mm-hmm. getting in a, you know, pro, more proactive stance with our clients and um, clients were asking for it. We were selling blocks of labor uh, <laughs> as our only kind of means of continuity, you know, for our clients at that time. And so uh-huh. um, I had some team members come on board that helped us kind of uh, develop and, and steer that that managed services program. And uh, right. we, we went all in and. Uh, went live in January of 2015.
0: Great. Um, so, you know, you went. You said you went to UT. What did you? Were you like specialized in computers there? Did you look at finance? What was your What was so, your focus there?
1: Yeah. Interestingly enough, I was a finance major in the in the business school there, and uh, mm-hmm. which uh, was a heavily populated kind of uh, degree program. My advisors had learned a little bit about my technology background. I think they actually saw one of my flyers or something. So I, <laughs> I, I got the sit down and, and they, uh, you know, within the first year of being down there, I realized that, that uh, there was, uh, this is kind of ingrained in me and there's no, no getting away from this technology piece, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I ended up majoring in management information systems, which was the uh, kind of technology uh, path within the business school there. Yeah. But, um,
0: yeah, it was a good time. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to have a, a, you know, a background in finance when you're trying to, when you're running your own MSP. Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Listening and, and being a more uh, um, studious in those accounting classes certainly wouldn't have hurt me. <laughs> <as we pretend. laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: So, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, that you, you've gone through this transition, right? You know, cause you started off, or at least your father started off residential and then break fix and, you know, it, it sounds like it was, it was quite a journey um, any, any tips or tricks you have for folks out there?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have many tips, you know, hindsight is 2020, 20, but one mm-hmm. of the things Doug that, that, we, um, that we encountered with this is that we realized, okay, we need to implement this new business model. Right. And as that started getting some momentum through 2015, um, there started to be there, there started to become a, a tugging in the business, right. Some kind of internal turmoil of, uh, of shared resources and priority of clients and and then finally the brand, right? The name Geek on Wheels doesn't really convey (laughs) the kind of, you know, professional high-level services that we were now providing to our clients. And so um, in March of, I'm sorry, April of 2016, we ended up rebranding as Um, TechVero. Now that in and of itself was like an 18-month process and and an expensive one as well. And so, that was, um, you know, in, in implementing our managed service model, January 1, 2015, 18 months later, rebranding. I also had, uh, my wife had our our first baby in that time and I had a few back surgeries, so had a lot of stuff going on, uh, but words of wisdom for that, um, that transition from break fix to managed services, it's it's something that takes time and planning and it takes uh Looking back on it now, I would have saved myself a lot of time if I would have been uh, more uh, more specific about the the prospects that I pursued and okay. uh, the leads the deals that I pushed. You know, mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was kind of like, "Man, if you will sit down and hear me pitch, you're you're in for it, right?" <laughs> and so, spent a lot of time, um, you know, courting clients that may have not been a fit, or maybe they were to in the past. Uh, maybe they weren't willing to see the value of the kind of services we were going to provide. And um, you know, it was a big transition for our clients. A client of mine that was in a block model, they were going to be spending two to three X what they were in a in a reactive block model going into our our proactive model. And so um I would give anyone uh the the words of advice for a break fix operation that's looking at this is that uh like start yesterday like you've got to do (laughs) this very important. Um but have a plan in mind to be a a managed service provider at the end specifically to uh, whatever your client base is. Uh, And I I hear a lot of people, I hear a lot of debate and and people talk about, uh, Oh, we're going to do a residential managed service program or or managing. It just, it's too much guys. Like we tried it here, crashed and burned. Uh, It just does not work. And so uh, as a matter of fact, we offered in-store residential services until the end of 2017. Oh wow. So um, you know, we're just a year and a few months off, having consumers walk through our lobby. Uh, you know, it's, been, it's been great, but it was something yeah. that didn't happen overnight and it, it just was kept active tracking of our financials um, and our monthly recurring revenue base where we were getting, you know, I knew at certain thresholds, we could taper things back and uh, mm-hmm. we ended up referring out all of our residential service to a, a company here that that all they want to do is residential service yeah. and, uh, and man, they're kicking butt. They're doing great with it. So it's it's been a win win for everyone.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it, it's not necessarily that residential break fix is bad. It's just you know a lot of people want to get to that MSP model. Some people enjoy the, the brake fix and, and and residential. And you know, hey, all power to them. There's there's plenty of business out there. So for sure, for <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, it's just it is definitely uh, it can pull on you, right? And so I think looking yeah. back on it, I uh, I might have been a little more methodical in the planning and and sticking to. Uh, figuring out when to, to flip the switch and, and mm-hmm. pull those levers. But uh, we got through it and um, your your team and yourself
0: and your your stress level, everything will be better for it in the end. Okay. Um, so I, I, I believe you mentioned um, earlier that you kind of have like a standardized stack or yeah. uh, in terms of, of what you offer. So is, you know, how, how simple have you made that for, for the customers, right? So, I mean, is it just, hey, this is what we have. Um, or do you have like silver gold platinum and those types of things or is it just hey here's what we have
1: so that's a great question that was one of the things that looking back on it you know we toyed with in the beginning was having some kind of tiered precious metal packaging (laughs) um but at the end of the day if you set up your infrastructure and your help desk properly uh the experience should be the same across all those packages right yeah i don't want there to i would rather sell a premium package that included unlimited support then have to go split hairs about, well, you used two hours more than you were allotted in your silver package, so we're gonna move mm-hmm. you to our Titanium Unlimited or whatever, this <laughs> is, right? Um, so yeah, we, we do a flat rate IT uh, package. Okay. Now, caveat to that is I may have a client, maybe a, a, a remote law firm or, or some smaller business that maybe they don't require the onsite side. So we do have a, mm-hmm. a lighter version of that program that just doesn't include uh, onsite support, but has okay. support and everything else. So, yeah. you know, we do have, uh, you know, this flat rate engagement and kind of one little subset of it, you know, when applicable, but moving forward, and as the company matures, we're, we're only offering that, that full exclusive flat rate offering.
0: Okay. Now, are most of your customers in, in the, the, the Denton County area, or, you know, do you, have you branched out even further from there? So,
1: you know, one of the great things about this model, ladies and gentlemen, is that you can, you can manage and, and uh, support a lot of remote clients. And when you have mm-hmm. things set up properly, you know, 85 to 90% of what you're doing can be done remotely. Right. Yeah. We actually have, uh, we've got clients all over the Metroplex. Uh, Typically we'd like them to have their be headquartered around here. Uh, Mm -hmm. We do have a couple of clients headquartered in Houston or Austin, um, where, you know, if, if need be, if one of my senior engineers or even myself need to get in a car and get to them and get back in a day, we can. Mm -hmm. Uh, but having said that, uh, quite a few of our clients have remote locations all over the U S and so we manage all those. And, um, you know, when we do need to find um, boots on the ground, help in you know, Hutchison, Kansas, or whatever the case <laughs> may be, we we lean on, um, you know, uh, uh, some of our networking groups and people we've met through, uh, okay. through CharTech or through HTG or whatever okay. the case may be to find uh, other ConnectWise partners and people okay. that can help for us.
0: Yeah, great. So now, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, a couple different client types there, verticals. Do you specialize in any particular vertical or are you kind of, Branch out. It doesn't so, uh, matter. <laughs> that's Maybe
1: that's that. Probably would be one more tip I would give. Uh, give people looking at that transition. Um, you know, niches make riches, right? And so I'm, I'm finding that uh, the legal vertical has been very good to us, and we we mm-hmm. provide some some value to those to those firms that's that's tangible. They love us and they refer us to other other law firms, and so mm-hmm. that is one that we're honing in on. So, uh, but in in addition to that. Uh, here in North Texas, there's a lot of construction and manufacturing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of steel fabrication um, and all sorts of woodworking and that kind of stuff. All these guys have CAD machines and CNC machines and mm-hmm. you know some very specialized needs that we're, where we've become equipped with. Um, so and the then they're also running Windows
0: 95 on those machines, right? <laughs> yeah, you'll have
1: like a two, $2 or $3 million CNC machine with a, with a Windows 95 embedded <laughs> on it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so we, we actually build out a lot of like a industrial nooks for some of the, those warehouse environments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that I think there's certainly value in, you know, if, you're, if your IT business has a comfort level and experience within, you know, a certain industry, whether it's you know dental or law firms, whatever, finance, um, take a hard look at that and see if there's an opportunity to hone in on something yeah. there uh, because that's when you can command a premium rate. Um, for sure,
0: yeah. Um, so you you mentioned Connectwise. It sounds like you're a Connectwise shop.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we're a full Connectwise house. Um, you know, that was a uh, going to IT Nation as a hosted guest in 2014 when we were looking at these different software solutions. That was a big catalyst mm-hmm. for our our growth and and eventual rebrand and, and change here. Um, but yeah, we use Connectwise, Screen Connect,
0: Automate, uh, Quozal. Um, okay. All that good stuff. The, the, yeah, the, the whole stack. Um, how often do you ever reevaluate? You know, do you ever kind of say, hey, you know, connector has been good to us, but maybe there might be something better out there. Do you, do you ever take a look at other tools?
1: You know, that's that's actually something that uh, with with some of the recent security scares and, and stuff going on, um, certainly a conversation that, that we evaluate every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, much like my clients and how sticky I am with them, <laughs> That would be a brutally painful yeah. separation, right? And I, yeah. I believe in their vision, and I believe in the. Uh, there's a lot of soft value you get out of working with them. That's not the software. If that you know, yeah. makes sense, right?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, you know, all those tools seem to be converging on on some kind of level in terms of functionality, and so I'm eager to see how that plays out in pricing and renewals. <laughs> <laughs> that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, well, there's a lot of consolidation
0: going on in, in, in the market as well, so. Yeah. yeah seems like there's an acquisition every week.
1: <laughs> of course. Yeah, and we're a big data shop, too, so, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Autotask
0: on the other side, I'm sure, chomping at the bit on that. Yep. Um. So, what about, like, you know, advertising? How do you how do you go out there? How do you get out there and, and get new customers? Um. You know, do you yeah. sponsoring sponsor a football stadium, a high school football stadium, <laughs> or something like that? Or?
1: <laughs> you know, it's, I, I uh... In the past, I, I tried the kind of, uh, you know, shotgun approach to marketing and advertising and just spending and throwing stuff out there and hoping, <laughs> stuff would work, right. And so, um, we have gotten a little more structured with that now. We just recently implemented HubSpot for our inbound okay. efforts, uh, and that's a tremendous tool. Uh, and so we're using that to track our sales activities. And so myself, uh, my admin person here, my marketing officer, we use that tool to, uh, to nurture prospects or you know mqls and, and qualify them and put them in mm-hmm. our sales funnel um you know in the past i've ran pay-per-click ad ad campaigns um you know, we do some gated white pages and we we spend a couple thousand dollars a month between pay-per-click advertising linkedin ads mm-hmm. um, you know and and some other spend um for digital no print marketing um i really? think that's pretty antiquated uh i'm really big on referrals doug so like you know, yep. we have a referral program that we incentivize our clients, uh, but just within my own sphere of influence, I mean, I literally just came from lunch this, this afternoon to do this podcast with a, uh, a buddy of mine that had reached out his, uh, his company, about 150 employees staffed IT. They're looking to streamline some stuff like, mm-hmm. um, you know, so keeping, keeping your sphere, your friends, family aware of what kind of leads you, what, what a good fit <laughs> for you and that kind of stuff is very important. And then with that, I'm I'm just, I'm pretty aggressive with if I go out and do a discovery, like I knock on the doors next to me, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I like to reach out. And the thing that's really helped here recently is uh, I hired a publicist last year. She started book, uh, booking public speaking engagements for me, local, local uh-huh. papers and stuff like that. Nice. But, um, it's a little rough at first, a little, little hard to, to get out there, but um I've built up a nice little content set where now kind of a, a wedge or a lead that I can give, like for this mm-hmm. prospect I met this afternoon. I'm going to go to their quarterly safety training, and I'm going to do a best practices hour-long presentation yeah. for them. You know? So it's gave me some ends and some opportunities otherwise, otherwise that
0: I, w- I wouldn't have afforded. Yeah, I think you're the first person you know, first MSP that I've talked to that actually has a publicist. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> and my peer group could
1: tell you I'm I'm very good at spending money. So I, um, but that's that's been very beneficial. Um, and and after seeing you know how that kind of workflow went through a year, we were able to mm-hmm. to handle a lot of a lot of that in house, a lot of that communication yeah. and booking gigs and all that kind of stuff. So. Oh,
0: cool. So I, I also noticed on your website you guys you, you have some pretty active um, community outreach, community involvement. You know, in terms of you know working with the local community and charity organizations, those yeah. types of things. So, yeah, is, I, do you, do you, is that is I mean you know obviously it's great, right? Don't stop. But is that is that do you find that it also helps get your name out there or helps you get business?
1: Yes, I think it does. And and another thing that it does for us in here is it it helps myself and my team gain perspective. You know, when you're mm-hmm. working in a soup kitchen on a Sunday or Saturday and and getting to see what the other side of life could be like. And
0: yeah, uh, there's
1: some, there's something rewarding about that too, being able to work with your hands or whatever the case may be when we're usually stuck behind a computer. Um, so, you know, I, I try to contribute where we can. I, I find a lot of, uh, value in when our clients, when, you know, when we come in and we say, look, I understand you bought all these e-machines from Walmart last month. But we're scrapping these and we're putting in Dell business class equipment. Now, yeah. you have a charity or philanthropy that you work with? Yeah, we work with, uh, you know, um, Denton County friends of the family. Well, great. Well, we can refurbish these and position them for them and they can allocate them to people as they see fit. And we've yeah. done a lot of computer labs for nonprofits, that kind of okay. stuff. So that's like a cool place for us to like, uh, repurpose equipment that would end up scrapped or or in a junk junkyard provide value to the client and I think it's very important um, you know we we work with a community clinic here that that started off that kind of initiative on uh, repurposing equipment because they Mm -hmm. had uh, you know there were people that were getting essentially um, not welcome in the in the local library and they weren't able to complete a resume you know and they needed access to a computer so that that Mm -hmm. resonated with me and that was what kind of Kicked off that initiative for us.
0: Okay, good. No, that, that's a great. That's a great idea, though. It's like, like you said, from a technology stack, when you come in, and you say, "Hey, look, this is the kind of equipment we're going to use. We'll take your old equipment. You know, we'll repurpose it, and then we'll you know donate it or set it up for the charity of your choice." I think that's a great, yeah. great move there. <laughs> for sure, and
1: it's great uh, opportunity for your junior techs or your admin people to get more involved in in the in the business and in what your model is going to look like moving forward. Because if yeah. you set the right stack and standards, you're going to be doing a lot of
0: these refresh and rip and replace mm-hmm. projects. Well, and it, it also gets them out in the field, right? It gets them on site where yeah. maybe, maybe they're not on site, but you know, Hey, you know, take some time and they send them on site and, sure. and work with people face to face.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so what kind of advice for someone just, just getting started in this industry, what kind of advice do you have for them?
1: Oh, uh, So if you were just getting started in managed services right now, Um, I would say, know that there are um, a million vendors out there and different pools. But until you kind of really think about what the end goal is or where you want to be in six months or a year from now, Mm -hmm. uh, be realistic with that because the challenge I had in the beginning was, uh, was overshooting, you know, think having these just pie in the sky goals that didn't have any tangible KPI or metric to them. Um, Mm -hmm but start, you know, make sure you're, it's viable. Number one, right? Like if you have an active TNM client list, figure out, you know, what is a meaningful way? How am I going to position my offering? You know, if you have some that you have some rapport with, maybe sit them down and talk to them about it Uh, because the unequivocally you should be asking your clients for more money than you have before, (laughs) right? when you go into a proactive model. Um, but be thinking about the, the tool set that you're going to use. Um, standardizing a stack so if you are comfortable with um you know lenovo hardware and Sophos firewalls be prepared mm-hmm. to have those conversations with your clients and why those requirements matter uh, yeah. you know because you are going to get pushback in those spots and so um you know and then also think about how much of this workload do you want to handle yourself i know a lot of guys that that are you know, smaller outfits, maybe one, two, three guys, but they, mm-hmm. they leverage, you know, a, an outsourced help desk yeah. and rock and roll. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're very sales and marketing oriented. And yeah. then I know other guys that, that aren't sales and market oriented at all, but they're, <laughs> they're buried in their laptop. Every time I see them on a work trip, <laughs> you know, not help <laughs> um, you know I, I choose to be on that sales and marketing side. My guys don't even let me
0: get into lab tech. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, you mentioned you made notice um, a couple of times to you know peer groups. Yes. Um, and, and how important has been being part of a peer group been to you to help you change your business and to get where where you are today?
1: Um, it's been tremendously important to us, Doug. We joined HTG um, last January. We've been in it mm-hmm. for 14 months now. Um, and to be quite honest with you, it, it gave me. Um, the accountability piece is always hard for entrepreneurs, right? Like we like to to dance to our own beat and do our own thing. (laughs) Um, but I I was fortunate enough to get paired with a group of guys that are, um, all very successful. Um, and you know, they have pushed me to be better and they've made me take a tough look at some things and maybe look Mm -hmm. at, I'll tell you this, we're, I had 17 team members this time last year. I have 11 now and we just hired one back. Uh, just hired someone that started out on Monday. So with no plans of adding any, any additional resources here in the near future. And we are doing more revenue wise and client wise now with that 10 or 11, than we were last year with 17. And so wow. it, it forced me to look at, uh, everyone's role, everyone's contribution, how the model was working, um, some places, some leaks the business had and, mm-hmm. and, and address those things. And so it's, it's laid groundwork for me to scale this thing. You know, Okay, it's, um, I think that's where this is going to be the where being in a peer group and, and working with these guys. I think the the size of the average MSP in and HTG is around uh, three point eight four million, something like that. Yeah. So we're about half that, and um, these guys are are very inspiring to, to <laughs> help you you know grow and um, give you a swift kick when you need one, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean you know in, you know HTG you know great peer group, nothing wrong with with HTG, but I you know there's obviously there's a number of peer groups out there that focus on, you know, different size, different types of, of MSPs, those types of things. And I, I just think it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I think people really need to take a look at because it can be extremely helpful in, in helping you, like you said, kind of make, take some accountability for what you're doing and, and, and get some advice from others who have been there and those types of things. So.
1: Right. Yeah. And any situation you're going to run into or encounter, particularly starting up, I mean, every one of these guys has been there, you know, and there's yeah. a lot of resources on that end as well. And so, um, you know i i would think anyone that's starting out now just know that you've gotta you've got to make some moves like to to grow and build value in in your company you're going to need to sell contracts to your clients that have term to them and you're going to have to be mm-hmm. able to show uh you know profitability that's meaningful and, and sustainable yeah.
0: um well, otherwise you're just creating a job for yourself right <laughs> uh, so switching gears a little bit in terms of technology mm-hmm. um, what technologies are you most excited about today or things on the horizon coming up? Yeah.
1: So like from the, from a, from a personal standpoint, I'm I'm fascinated with uh, with all the advancements that they're making that are, that are coming around in terms of uh, AR and VR. I'm really eager to see how mm-hmm. that plays out uh, and then how that transcends into the workplace. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that there's a enormous potential for that and for remote work, you know, for remote workers in the future, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's it going to, what is the workplace going to look like in 15 or 20 years? Are we all actually driving to offices? That sort of thing. No. Now uh, our cars will be driving
0: us and we'll be flying, right? right? <laughs>
1: so, um, I've, I've always, uh, always been a huge fan of of Elon and all the stuff he's doing at SpaceX. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I'm, I, I think we're about to see a tremendous amount of, of uh, and, a, and an acceleration of mm-hmm. innovation here. Uh, within the next few decades, um, some of the technologies and some of the uh, attack vectors that are scaring me. <laughs>
0: yeah, are the IOT. that's kind of my next question. What are you worried about? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, so obviously the IoT play—that's a huge deal. Um, yeah, and when you are seeing these, um, you know, as an MSP, I'm I'm very concerned about you know the threat landscape that's out there and how that affects my end users. Obviously, what's with what's happened here recently with. Uh, you know, been in the press, there's uh, all sorts of things going on, but we as, as MSPs have to collectively ensure that we've got our security on lock, uh, yep. you know, and that we are pushing that down the line to our clients. And so I'm making a huge push for my clients right now for, um, you know, everyone in our stack is on Office 365. That's a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're pushing additional, you know, spam filtering products, uh, yep. phishing prevention tools and end user security awareness training. You know, dark web monitoring, some of those kind of uh, 2.0 model features that we're that we're integrating into our offering now. We're going back to some of our clients we've worked with for a few years, saying, "Look, we've we've got to get these things going, and it is yeah. extremely important that we keep you protected." And so, um, you know, just the the continuing uh, different attack vectors. I saw something the other day on on one of these Facebook groups. It was, uh, you know, with all the CGI technology they're doing now, it was like a cyber ransomware, and they'd taken like like jennifer law there was like a it was a it was a video of jennifer lawrence uh accepting an award speech and on the split screen they'd taken steve buscemi's face and oh yeah on there right yeah i've seen
0: that i've seen that too man
1: um (laughs) and you know so the you know videos and authentic authenticating authority now what about in five or ten years when that when that technology is seamless like how does that play out into things and so yeah um Security you know, security of our infrastructure, power grids, that's, that's stuff that is, uh, that is concerning. But um, I think that at the end of the day, the, the technology that we're seeing and the stuff that we'll see in our lifetime is going to be pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I think, so. you know, I just look at everything that's happened in my lifetime so far, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's absolutely amazing. You know, I, I, I carry a computer in my pocket now in my, you know, in, in my cell phone. <laughs> something I wouldn't have imagined in high school. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, kids, kids today, that's, you know, they grew up with it. So it's, you know, it's just that, that completely different model, but
1: yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's something that's interesting too. And I've found with, uh, with some of my engineers here, um, you know, the younger generational guys, I've got guys that are from 20 to I've had, you know, 50, 60, 70 year old guys working here. Um, the younger generation, they're just phenomenal with software. But uh, it's, it's funny, every once in a while, a hardware problem rolls around and these guys are a little green when it comes to hardware because hardware doesn't play that often for them, you know?
0: Yeah, it's all, it's, well, it's all, it's all sealed, right? Just, you yeah. can't do anything with the hardware. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, great. Okay, are you ready for the rapid fire round? for Sure, let's do it. Okay, so I've got six questions. Just whatever answer. Don't think about it too hard. This is easy. All right. Here we go. Apple or Android? Apple. Okay. Mac, Linux or Windows? Windows. Amazon, Azure, or something else? Ooh-hoo. Azure. Okay. Had to think local so. back <laughs> oh. <laughs> local backups, cloud, or both? Both. Okay. Should you always virtualize? Tell me a reason not to. Okay. It's a good answer. <laughs> And finally, which is worse, printer support or vendor cold calls? Ooh, printer support. <laughs> so so you, you've probably done your fair share of printer support in the day. Oh, yeah. Yes,
1: I remember, <laughs> I remember those days, yes. And so there's another, there's another back-end tip, Doug, that, that um, can be very meaningful to people that are getting starting out. Uh, I have a managed print company that just is a pure play managed print company. They send me leads. Oh, okay. Clients we started doing enough work with my client software vendors that the software vendors send us leads like asking your vendors for leads or Mm -hmm. once you get to a certain point marketing funds mdf and we're just now getting mdf with a few of our uh with a few of our vendors so
0: yeah it's basically marketing development funds yes yeah for for people who don't know what mdf is so (laughs) (laughs) because uh not, not everyone does uh, but most vendors do offer, you know, have, have something, you know, similar like that to, to do co-marketing and those types of things. So yeah. it's uh, definitely a good tip.
1: And negotiating when you, when you select your RMM and PSA and all those types of things, um, that's all negotiable, guys. It's just, mm-hmm.
0: you know, everything's a negotiation, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except your rate, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> great. Reese, it's been great talking to you. Any, any tips or tricks uh, before we leave here? Um yeah, man, I would say
1: um, something I'm learning more and more every day is that that we are we're all in this to create uh, a better quality of life for ourselves, right? and so uh you know don't don't miss out on the opportunity to enjoy some of the fruits of your labor, you know mm-hmm. there's there is um you know, there's no reason to work yourself to death. You can do this right, I'm learning, you can do this right and have uh, you know an awesome personal life and still take care of your kids and family and there's balance there. And I think, uh, particularly in, as, uh, when I was younger and when I was getting started out, I lost track of
0: that from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, That work life balance is really important. Sure. So Reese, thank you very much. Um, it's been fun. Um, and, uh, hopefully I'll get to meet you in, in, in person one of these days. For sure, man. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.